good ground and bring forth a multiplied harvest. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me today. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so necessary. Lord, let me say what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Let the Word of God be like fire shut up in my bones. And I pray, oh God, that you'd help me to preach like a man from another world. God, have your way be glorified in everything that is done here today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. I'm not going to re-preach last week. I'm going to just hit the very top of it. And if you would like to go back and hear it, if you were here and you forgot it or you weren't here and you didn't hear it, it is on podcast. And you can go to Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and listen to that. Where we come in the book of Acts, we have come to this story where, the, where Saul, who was an enemy of the church, an enemy of the name of Jesus Christ, who had been persecuting the church, had a life-changing experience. And I think it this bears repeating that I am still believing for people to have this kind of Damascus Road experience where Saul was heading one direction in his life to persecute the church, to imprison the church, to do everything that he possibly could to hinder the church, but he ran into somebody named Jesus on the road to Damascus, and suddenly he was heading in one direction, but after encountering Jesus, he started heading in another direction. He soon would God change his name from Saul to Paul and became a mighty, mighty warrior for the kingdom of almighty God. And I'm still believing that the same thing can happen to men and women and boys and girls that when they have an encounter with God, that lives can be completely and totally turned around. I'm not talking about put on a good show. I'm not. Ta I'm talking about when people come in contact with Jesus Christ, lives can still be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Somebody say Amen. So we come to this story, and, I, and we are taking the story and looking at what happened here and how the followers of Paul were able to keep him from being captured by the Jews that wanted to stop his ministry. You can go again, you can come back, go back if you want to on podcasts and listen to that. I'm not going to repeat that all. But today, I want us to pick back up with this thought and this theme that we are looking at holding the rope. We, and I want to recognize today those rope holders, those that hold the rope in the church. Now, this is my, my one that got frayed. I, I told y'all last week, some of you may have told you, how many of you went home and singed the end of it so yours wouldn't fall apart like mine did last week? And I didn't get this one done uh, this week, so I'll probably destroy another one this week. But I want this to be a reminder, and I'll give these out again in our altar service today, of those that the Lord has called 
to hold the rope. You see, I believe it's easy to overlook the people that seem to be in the background, but yet they render valuable service to the church and to the kingdom of God. I want you to know that I am in full realization, I hope you know this, that this cannot happen by just a pastor or even pastoral staff. It takes a whole lot of people to make the church move forward, to make the kingdom work happen. As you saw at the beginning, as more and more people are learning, you know, the worship pastor can't lead the worship and push the button in the back at the same time. The pastor can't preach and be in the nursery at the same time. It takes every single one of us. And brothers and sisters, don't you know that when those things don't happen, things don't go that smoothly. I don't believe there are any unimportant jobs in the kingdom of God. If you are working for Christ, if you are working for the church, if you are doing what you do to advance the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are no unimportant people and there is no unimportant work when you are doing what you do for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So I want us to look at three encouraging applications this morning before we go. And Jamie's got a roast in the crock pot at the house. And I don't know where y'all are going for lunch, but I know where I'm heading today. And so I want you to get this really quick this morning before you head wherever you're going. If you're taking notes, number one, the first encouraging application that I want us to look at today is that holding the rope means that there is a significant person on the other end. Holding the rope means that there is a significant person on the other end. You see, these disciples really had no idea who they held in their basket. I told you last week, again, you can go back and and listen, probably for about three years, Saul had been uh, training. Saul had been learning. It had probably been about three years since he had had that Damascus Road experience to this passage here. And, and, and these guys, they, they knew him somewhat. They knew he was a preacher. They knew that he had been converted to faith in Christ. But there was really no way that they knew exactly what this man was going to do for the kingdom of God. They had no way of knowing that he would become the first missionary of the New Testament church. They had no idea that he would shake the Roman Empire with his preaching, that he would go before Felix, that he would even find himself an audience in front of Caesar. They had no idea what Paul would do for the gospel. They had no idea that he would eventually go on to write two-thirds of the New Testament, and most of that would be done while he was under house arrest. I just need to remind us today that you never know who you are going to have in your basket.
basket of influence someone that you're serving. Just to remind you in case you weren't here last week and you don't know what I'm talking about. As we read the story, Paul was in danger and so his followers in the night took a basket and it could have been chain, it could have been sheets, but because it's my sermon, I'm saying it was rope. And they attached that basket to a rope and they lowered him down in the middle of the night so that he could escape to safety. You see, you and I never really know who is in our basket of influence, who we are serving, who we are holding the rope for. That idea, the idea is incentive to be faithful. That idea is incentive to do your best, to realize that God has you in this person's life for a reason. You see, I come in this place today. I had no idea, especially over this last month, how crazy sickness has been. I really have no idea who would be here and who would not be here. And I still literally have no idea who listens to these podcasts sometimes. I have been shocked at times when word gets back to me or somebody contacts me how they listen. But here's what I've got to do. I've got to go about what I'm doing today, this preaching, this ministering the word, realizing that somewhere, whether it's in this building right now or listening by podcast, somewhere, somehow, God has pursed somebody, put somebody on the other side of this rope so that I can help them and minister to them and do something for them so so that God's will can be done in their life and so that his kingdom can be advanced. Now, most of us are familiar with the name Rick Warren if we've been in church very long. He's become a household name among religious people in recent years. He wrote the book, the first book that he wrote that really put him on the map was The Purpose Driven Church. Then he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. He's written more since then. He's the pastor of the Saddleback Community Church in Orange County, California. And he tells an encouraging story from his seminary days. He was a student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he and a friend went to hear Dr. W.A. Criswell speak. In case you don't know Dr. Criswell, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was one of the great preachers in America. He was pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, one time one of the largest churches in America. And the day that Rick and the friend went to hear Dr. Criswell, something very interesting happened to him. At the end of the service, like many times, they stood in line to go and to shake Dr. Criswell's hand and to meet him and greet him. And as they were going through the line, Rick Warren, then only a seminary student that absolutely nobody hardly knew, had come and shook, was shaking Dr. Criswell's hand. And when he did, something interesting happened. He laid his hand on Rick Warren's shoulder and prayed somewhat of a prophetic prayer. He prayed that Rick Warren would someday pastor a church that would be twice the size of First Baptist Dallas that was running 12,000 at that time. Today, when you look, the, the recent figures that I have seen said that Saddleback Church in 2020 before the pandemic was running close to 24,000. 
thousand people. Can I remind you on that day, Dr. Chris Well, he was he was the big timer. He was the dignitary. He was the man pastoring the big church. And Rick Warren was really in the way that humans would look at it. He was a nobody at the time. But Dr. Chris Well allowed the Holy Spirit to stop him and to pray for him for just a moment to pray this prayer prophetically of what would happen. Let me use this to remind you that me and you have a responsibility. We never know who the Lord is going to put in our basket of influence. You and I never know who is going to be on the other side of the rope that we are holding. That is why I believe small groups are so important. Listen, as we're moving on, we're getting close to me being here. We're going to go on to year two here. And God has been blessing us and moving us and taking us along. And, and, and I told you, I told you last time we were up in the Life Center for church and we had to move because the sound went out here. I said, let's just be willing to move with where the Spirit takes us and flow. And I know that one thing that we've got to do is we've got to beef up our small groups. You see, what I don't want this to be is just a, a big Sunday morning uh, attendance and it's just where people come to just be a part of it. No, this needs to be a family. This needs to be a body of Christ, a family of believers that we are here to hold the rope for one another. That's why I believe it is so important for us to make connection with each other in every area we can. You see, I believe that we are born again by God with a desire and a capacity to be servants, to be like Christ. In fact, Philippians 2, 3 through 7 in the English Standard Version tells us this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility uh, count others more significantly than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see, Jesus was our ultimate example of even though he was God Almighty, he decided he was going to empty himself of those things, and he was going to come down and take the form of a servant. You see, parents, you may have a future Paul on the end of your rope. I know they're driving you crazy right now. Y'all know I joke around with it, but I was up in Houston yesterday, and I always get a laugh when my sisters, they're dealing, they got little kids, and they still got a, the oldest nephew. He's hes still, he's on the verge of potty training, and you know, they're doing all that. He's like, I won't go with you, and I'm like, you can't come home with me till you can poo-poo on the potty by yourself. <laughs> And I laugh at that, at that. And I make fun of my sisters right now because I can say both of mine use the bathroom and bathe on their own. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough when you're parenting small kids. And then even when you're pastoring older kids and they get smart aleck or any of those kind of stuff, it's difficult. But can I remind you, parents, you may have a future Paul on the end of your rope. That one that you're having to change that diaper and love and 
pray for and take care of. They may be the next world changer that God has his hand on to use them. I need to talk to some Sunday school teachers. You may have a future Paul on the end of your rope. That kid that just won't shut up in class. That kid that just won't sit down in class. That kid that just drives you crazy. Maybe the next Billy Graham. Maybe the next great evangelist. You never know who is on the other end of your rope. Children's ministry volunteers. Same thing. Everybody that works with youth and kids. You never know who is on the other end of your rope. Secondly, this morning, holding the rope means that small tasks often have eternal value. Holding the rope means that small tasks often have eternal value. What a small or menial task. Lowering a man through a window in a basket at the end of a rope. I mean, let's just be honest. There's a whole lot more exciting stories in the Bible, isn't it? I mean, let's just take Paul. I mean, I, I like the story where, you know, the demon-possessed girl is following him around and following him around and following him around and saying, hey, these are men of God. These are men of God. Finally, Paul has enough. He turns around and he said, cast the devil out of her right then and right there. Hey, there's a whole lot more exciting stories that I can think of in the Scripture besides this story of, hey, yeah, I was the guy that, you know, lowered the Paul down a rope in a basket. There are a whole lot more exciting things that I could think of from this. I looked up the word menial in Webster, and the word menial means, it refers to work that requires little skill or training. It is not interesting and confers low social status on somebody doing it. Another definition states that it is suitable for, done by, or relating to servant or servants. In other words, sometimes when we are holding the rope, it reminds us that small tasks, though they seem menial and inconsequential, and some stuff that we do really doesn't take a whole lot of brain power, but can mean the world. Y'all still with me? I got a few amens coming this way. How many of you ever watched that, that show, Dirtiest Jobs, before? You ever watch that show, Dirtiest Jobs? You know, you, you can look at that. I've not watched every one of them, but I've watched quite a few of them. And old Mike, he can go and he'll go in a bridge pylon. He work in a, a mushroom growing barn. He'll pick up manure. He'll do all kinds of stuff. I think the first one I ever watched was when he did one out of Las Vegas and all the uh, buffets and all the, the leftover food and how it's just the slop and trucks take it out to pig farmers outside of the city of Las Vegas. You know, there are things that just seem so menial and unimportant. You may have heard me tell this before, but I think about going back all the way to college, and I can remember working part-time during college, and I worked in the mailroom of our denomination's headquarters. I used to tell people like this, if you think about where I was in the totem pole, I was on the part that was stuck down in the ground. 
I mean, I, I was just in awe of being around these guys. Part of the time, Dr. Paul Walker was the general overseer and different ones that were there, and they were all just busy and coming and going, and I would idolize them and think about what important things that they were doing, and there I was pushing the mail cart, picking up boxes, doing this and that. But listen, the kingdom of God may have jobs that seem menial or seem small in significance. What about picking up and putting down chairs for events? We know we have to do that. We have to do that up in the Family Life Center sometimes. Pick up chairs, put down chairs. What about working in the nursery or volunteering to help with children? What about being a chaperone at an event for Winter Fest or Youth Camp? What about cleaning up after a church dinner and all the ladies say amen? How important that fellowship is, but how menial and how it seems somewhat unimportant being the last one there cleaning up and wiping off tables and, and picking up trash. What about picking somebody up on the church van or in your car and taking them to and from church? Or what about being someone uh, that calls and checks on people who is absent on a Sunday for a few weeks or writing a note to them or a text or a Facebook message? What about being someone that would come early on a Sunday morning intentionally just to meet and to talk with new people, just to hold a sign up in the parking lot to say, we are glad you are here. I just need you to know that in the kingdom of God, they may seem small and they may seem menial. It seems small, these guys holding a rope one night and letting this guy Paul down the wall, but it was not small. It was huge in the kingdom of God. The story about a kid that was walking home from school. His name was Mark. And he noticed that the boy ahead of him had stumbled to the ground and dropped everything that he was carrying. Mark hurried to the boy's side and helped him collect his belongings. Surprisingly, the boy was carrying an especially hefty load. There was a baseball glove and bat, a couple sweaters, a small tape recorder, an armful of books, Mark helped him gather these things and carry them to his house. And his new friend, Bill, was most appreciative of his compassion. During this walk home, Mark discovered Bill was struggling in school, just broken up with his girlfriend. And when they arrived at Bill's house, he invited Mark in for a Coke. They spent the rest of the afternoon talking, laughing, watching some TV. And although the two boys never became the closest of friends, they kept up with each other throughout the rest of junior high and high school. And several weeks before graduation, Bill approached Mark and asked him if he remembered that day that they met when Mark helped him with all of his stuff. Mark nodded as he remembered that day. Bill then asked, did you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things that day? And without pausing for an answer, Bill explained that he had cleaned out his locker and was going home to take his life. He had been storing away sleeping pills and was heading home to end it all when Mark happened along to help him out. Bill told Mark how that simple act of compassion inspired him to go on living. He said, Mark, when you picked up my books that day, you saved my life. Imagine with me how many times our small, seemingly insignificant gestures of concern 
may reignite the flame of life and inspire someone to continue. You never know what that small, menial task of holding the rope may do. And finally, number three, holding the rope means that there will be sacrificial cost. Holding the rope means that there will be sacrificial cost. If you turn back with me to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus speaking here says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Holding the rope means that there will be sacrificial cost. In our text, Paul is being lowered over the wall in the city of Damascus. I mentioned this somewhat last week, but I want to hit it again. The reason this was going on was the Jewish leaders were plotting to kill him, and in helping Paul, the disciples of Paul could face persecution or even possibly death for assisting this criminal. And we need to understand that holding the rope sometimes carries a cost. Serving Jesus ought to be a joy. It ought to bring assurance into our lives. It ought to instill joy into our hearts. When we talk about our faith, we should speak of the joy, peace, assurance, and fullness we receive from Jesus Christ. Yes, it is the best decision that I've ever made to follow Jesus Christ. However, when speaking of our faith, we cannot deny the fact that it carries with it a cost. Salvation is free. You say, oh, pastor, you're not talking about earning salvation. Absolutely not. Salvation is absolutely free. But following Christ will cost you everything. When we go to buy a car, the first question is, what is the cost? Here recently, we've been on the hunt and finally found a used vehicle for Jaden. And do you want to know where I started with all of that? Not, oh, she really wants it. <laughs> I started with, what's it cost? What's this cost? I got X amount of dollars, and that's what I plan to spend. We go to buy furniture. The first question, what is the cost? Following Jesus Christ and serving him has a personal cost. In fact, if you're still there in the book of Luke, chapter 14, turn over there with me. Look at verse 27. We find a little bit more detail here. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be. my. I do fear y'all. I, I hear pages turning. I'm going to wait for you. If you're going to look with me, I'll wait on you. Chapter 14 of the book of Luke, verse 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Here we find Jesus talking very, very seriously about the cost of following him. Talking about how important it is to follow him and how much it is going to cost to do that. You know, I know that we trust and we believe and we know, we know that Jesus Christ, that salvation is free. But following him costs us everything. There was a preacher motivating his congregation once. He said, if this church is going to serve God, it's got to get down on its knees and crawl. And the audience responded back, make it crawl, preacher, make it crawl. And once this church has learned to crawl, it's got to get up on its feet and walk. The audience responded, make it walk, preacher, make it walk. And once this church has learned to walk, it's got to begin to learn to run. Make it learn, run, preacher, make it run. And in order to run, it's going to cost us. We've got to reach deep down into our pockets and learn to give. Make it crawl, preacher, make it crawl. <laughs> You see, a church can't grow if a church doesn't give. And if it doesn't give, it'll crawl. And not just money. We've got to start with ourselves. You know, that's why I think it's so important over the last few weeks, a couple weeks ago, Sanctity of Life Month, I want you to see what this church and what many people individually in this church give to that we give to the Startful Pregnancy Center, that we help young women that are struggling of whether to terminate a pregnancy or not. That's why I want you to see this video of, of, of what's going on down in McGee and how men and women are being set free from drugs and alcohol. And if we want to see growth here, and so I, I believe it works for a church just like it does an individual. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto your bosom. But it's not just money. In fact, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, in the English Standard Version says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, it's often easier for many of us to just write a check or give some money than to give of our time. Time is so very, very precious. But I need somebody to hear me today and realize how important it is to have you here. What you do is important for the kingdom. 
You know, I don't think that anybody, and I know what we've been through, Lord, we've been through a pandemic, and we've been through a mini pandemic uh, this past month and everything, and again, I'm so thankful, so thankful that God has touched so many of you, and just about everybody is getting back in here, and I'm not talking about those types of instances, but I'm talking about the importance of being here. You don't realize the small things that you may think are small, how significant a part they play. You know, sometimes you just being in your pew and greeting the person around you plays way more of an impact than you really imagine. You know, I had someone actually tell me once at Loosedale, somebody that I that obviously thought a lot of me and loved me. I won't ever forget he told me one time, He's like, you know, I guess we just get comfortable with you here. We know you're here, and it's all going to get taken care of, and everything's going to be all right, and it just kind of makes us know that if we need to miss and, you know, not be here, that we know you're going to handle it. Let me just tell you, it, it makes a difference. And one of, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that I faced there was, and I've told you, and whoever's listened to this can listen to it, I've said it enough times, was travel ball. And about the time we'd get momentum going, I'd have a mass exodus for everybody to go off and travel the world with their future Hall of Famers. And what happens then? Then we have visitors come in and the church is half empty and they're like, oh, I heard things were going good here. Well, they're off on the ball field. This uh, I'm, I'm going to meddle a little bit here. I said it's going to cost you something. Remember, we're talking about Holding the rope, it's a sacrificial cost. I know sometimes you'd rather sleep in than come. I know sometimes it'd be easier just to say, you know, I'm not going to church today. I, I, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful, hey, we are blessed with a beautiful day, and I'm just about done. and going to let you go and imbue that, enjoy that beautiful. In fact, we've got a beautiful next two or three days, I believe, and I'm thankful for it. But it's so important that you're here. It's so important that you make the sacrifice and be here and do what you do. Teach your class. Be in your spot. Even be in your pew and do part of what you do. Pray and praise. It makes a difference. I want to give you this. I've got some more, but I want to give you this, and I'm going to shut this down this morning. I want to ask you, will you hold the rope? Will you hold the rope here in the church of loving one another? 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Will you hold the rope of praying one for another? James 5 and 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Number three, would you be willing to hold the rope of encouraging one another? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Fourthly, would you be willing to hold the rope of forgiving one another? Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's a tough one sometimes there, ain't it? 
And under that same category of forgiving, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In this world where we all want to get on and and I'm just going to say what I want to say and do what I want to do, that's garbage on the Internet. The Bible said so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Number five, finally, will you hold the rope of serving one another? 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Will you hold the rope? Stand with me, if you will, please, all over the building this morning. Will you hold the rope? Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Would you be willing to hold that rope? So many times, and, and I know for many of you that are, that are students and you're not from America, I know it's, depending on how long you've been here, it's, kind of a foreign idea to you but for us here in America the church has taken on this consumer mentality of well I go to that church for what they have to offer me what do they have to offer me what can they provide for me and my family what can that church do for me when really and truly what I find in the scripture is what can we do for each other how can we help one another can we forgive? Can we love? Can we encourage? Can we do that? Here's my altar call today, and now we're going to be out of here, I promise. Many were here last week, and you've already picked up a piece of rope. I'm going to want you to come in a second. But maybe you weren't here last week, or maybe you were and you didn't pick up a piece of rope. But you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I want to hold the rope. I want to advance the kingdom. I want to see the gospel go forth. I want to encourage. I want to bless. I want to forgive. I want to do my part to see the kingdom of God advance. I'm about to ask everybody if they will to come, but if you're here and you have not yet gotten a piece of rope, I've still got some here. And like I said, if once you get home, it's going to do that. If you'll just take your little match or something and just burn the end, but it's small enough so that you can stick it in your Bible or somewhere where you'll think about it and you'll remember it. And remember, I am a rope holder. I've got a responsibility, not for anybody else, if not for God, that I've got a responsibility to Him to hold the rope. If you're here this morning and you haven't yet gotten one of these and you say, I want to be a rope holder, would you come grab one of these and find a place in this altar? Would you do that? Anybody here, you've not yet gotten these, you want to, would you come and grab one and just find a place you can kneel or stand or whatever you want to do? Come on, would you do that? Because I'm about, don't blurry, you're not going to be alone. But I just want to make space for those that haven't gotten one yet. If you're here, you say, I want to be a rope holder. Would you come and grab it and just find it? You can kneel, you can sit, you can stand, whatever you feel comfortable with. I want you to come and find, grab you a piece of rope. Find you a place right here. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Would you just get in a moment of worship right now? Just get in a moment of worship right now. I want the Lord to have his way here in this place. Come on, grab a piece of rope. Say, I'm here. I want to hold the rope. I want to hold the rope. I want to do what I can to see the kingdom of God advance.
I want to work for the master. I want to work while it's day. Night's coming when nobody can work. But I want to hold the rope for now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. It's all right. We're waiting. We're waiting for you. It's worth it. It's worth it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish I'd gotten this done and, and got this on a slide so you could see this on the screen, but I'm going to just read it again. Now, here's what I want to ask you. If you were here last week and you got your rope, now that everybody's got some room, I want you to just come. If you say, I want to help hold the rope as the church and these five things and say, I want to help, I want to love one another, I want to pray for one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, serve one another. If you've already got your rope, you were here last week, but you say, I want to be a part of that, come on and just fill in here. I know there's some here I just wanted these to be able to come and grab their rope right quick but if you've already got yours maybe if it's in your Bible bring it with you if you've already got it just come on and find a place right here there's plenty of room right here to my right to your left plenty of room right here on the front you say I want to be a part of this I want to hold the rope I want to hold the rope hallelujah 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 now would you take that rope in your hand and if you want to lift one, the other hand to the Lord or lift that hand, I don't care. But I just want hands lifted here and surrender to the Lord. And I'm going to read this, and I want us to pray together and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. First John 4 and 7, beloved, let us love one another. Would you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm ready and I'm willing to hold the rope of love. I'm ready to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm ready to love the unlost, the unchurched that the Lord sends through these doors into our church. I'm willing and I'm ready to hold the rope of love. James chapter 5 and verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Would you say, Lord, I'm ready to hold the rope of praying for one another. I don't want to just pray for what I need. I don't want to just be about me all the time, but I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in my church. I want to pray for those that I work with. I want to pray for those that are in need. I'm going to hold the rope of prayer. I want to hold the rope of encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Say, Lord, I want to hold the rope of encouragement. I want to encourage other people. When I walk into the room, I don't want people to dread and think, oh, there they are. There's old Debbie Downer. They're about to be negative. They're about to tear me down. But, Lord, when I walk into a room, let me bring encouragement to people somebody that's down somebody that's in discouraged let me be an encourager Colossians 3.13 bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive Romans 12 and 18 if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all come on and hold that rope and say Lord help me hold the rope of forgiveness don't let me be a bitter person don't let me hold grudges don't let me hold on to past hurts don't let me be so caught up in the hurt that I don't allow forgiveness to flow through my life for your word tells me that if I don't forgive others you won't forgive me Lord finally first Peter 4:10, as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace 
Would you take that rope and say, Lord, help me to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me to be a servant. Not only, first of all, that Scripture does teach, first of all, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then secondly, to serve those around us in every capacity, many capacities, wherever we volunteer, whatever we do, through our compassion pantry, through any outreach ministry, God, wherever we go in our own workplace, God, as we run into people, what we think is at random, but it's a God appointment, Lord, I pray that we would hold the rope of serving one another, that we are all about the business of serving, serving one another, helping one another. Oh God, let us be a loving church, a praying church, an encouraging church, a forgiving church, and a serving church, oh Lord. Let us follow your word and do what you have called us to do, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. As the praise team begins to sing, would you just lift your hands and just begin to pray in your own way and say, Lord, help me to hold the rope. Help me to hold the rope. 